our glory, and our prize. You can be seated. Two of the best ways to turn our eyes upon Jesus are one, to open the Bible where He's revealed, and two, to partake of the Lord's Supper where we remember His sacrifice, and our plan is to do both of those now. And so go ahead and open your Bible to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. And after I pray for us, we're going to read this very familiar passage at the end of Matthew's account of the person and work of Jesus Christ. And because this passage is so familiar to us, we need to pray for God's help now to see what we're tempted to overlook and ignore. And so join me in praying that God would open our eyes to see the glory and beauty of Jesus. Father in heaven, do that. Open our eyes to see the glory and majesty of King Jesus. Help us to turn our eyes, not, not just our physical eyes on the page of Scripture, but the eyes of our heart. Help us to see, help us to behold the majesty and glory of King Jesus. And I pray that the majesty and glory of Jesus would reverberate through this room and then into all of creation. Use your word and use our time together in this moment that Jesus might be praised among all nations, peoples, and languages. We pray you do this in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Matthew says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age is the Word of God. May God write its truth on our hearts. Well, from this passage, I want to highlight who you are. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this passage contains your identity. This is who you are. If God has regenerated your heart and you have by grace turned from your sins and trusted in Jesus Christ alone, this is who you are. This passage gives every disciple of Jesus our God-given identity. This is who you are. And so let me just highlight three truths from this passage about who you are, about who we are as disciples of Jesus. And I want you to do this. I'm going to mention these three things right now, these, th these three truths, but I want you just to listen to them. I know I love those of you who like to take notes. I'm going to go slowly through these, but right now just let these fall on you. 
Let these land on you. This is who you are. Number one, your life is under the majestic authority of Jesus. Number two, your mission is to make disciples for Jesus. And number three, your comfort is the nearness of Jesus. Your life is under the majestic authority of Jesus. Your mission is to make disciples for Jesus. And your comfort is the nearness of Jesus. This is who you are. In other words, your identity is caught up in your union, your connection to Jesus. Who you are is intimately tied to who Jesus is. And because we all know how easy it is to drift from our God-given identity, it's imperative that we listen to Jesus as He tells us who we are. The entire Gospel of Matthew is about how Jesus is the King, how He is the Lord. And this final passage of the Gospel of Matthew is sort of the exclamation point of the whole book. After Jesus is victoriously raised from the dead, He meets with His eleven disciples and He gives them their identity in Him. He says to them and He says to us, if we are His disciples, number one, your life is under the majestic authority of Jesus. Your life, who you are, everything about you is under the majestic authority of Jesus. Your life is bound up in the lordship and kingship of Jesus. Listen, friends, you are not your own. You are not the captain of your own ship. You are under the authority of another. Notice how Jesus says it in verse 18. Even before He gives the command of this passage, He makes this staggering claim in verse 18. Here's what the risen Lord Jesus says to His disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This is an incredibly lofty claim. Jesus claims that all authority in all of existence belongs to Him. Jesus died for sinners. He triumphed over guilt and condemnation. He powerfully rose from the dead. And because He died and rose again, Philippians 2, as we've read several times already, says the Father has highly exalted Him and given Him a name that is above every name. In other words, Jesus has been given by His Father all authority in heaven and on earth. He has comprehensive authority and sovereignty. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. Ephesians 1, 20-22 says that the Father has raised Jesus and seated Him far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and has put all things under His feet and has made Him the head over all things. In John 17, 1 and 2, in Jesus' high priestly prayer, Jesus prays to the Father and says, Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. 
The Father has given the Son all authority in all of creation. That's why Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth. King Jesus does not just have some authority. He has all authority. Heaven and earth is just a way to say everywhere. There's nothing that exists outside heaven and earth. And Jesus has complete control of it all. Jesus has all authority everywhere. All authority everywhere. Just ponder the weight of this declaration. Whatever you can conceive in your mind, Jesus has authority over. Wherever you can think of to go, Jesus has dominion over. And let's make sure we aren't vague and fuzzy on this. What exactly does Jesus have authority over? What does He mean when He says, all authority in all of creation is Mine, has been given to Me? What does He have authority and dominion over? Well, let me point to seven areas of Jesus' authority. And I picked seven in a very revelation kind of way. This means He has all authority, but here's seven particular ways He has authority. Number one, Jesus has all authority over all of creation as the Creator and Sustainer of all. Jesus has all authority over creation as the Creator and as the Sustainer of it all. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, By Him, by Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Are you hearing this? All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, and He holds all things together. Hebrews 1.3 says Jesus upholds the universe by the word of His power. John 1.3 says, All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. So think about the authority of Jesus for a second. When did Jesus get this authority? Well, Jesus did not just become authoritative in His incarnation, or crucifixion, or resurrection, or even His exaltation. Sure, there is a unique sense in which His death and resurrection opened up the full manifestation of His authority to save His people from all nations, but Jesus has always been the authority over all creation. And so when Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me, He's not saying, now I have authority. No, He's saying, I've always had all authority. I am the authoritative one because I'm the Creator and I'm the sustainer of it all. Secondly, Jesus has all authority over disease and sickness. Jesus has all authority over disease and sickness. Listen to how Matthew himself communicates this to us. In Matthew 4, 23 and 24, it says, And He, went, he Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so His fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought to Him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and He healed them. All diseases 
Every disease, every affliction that was among them, Jesus healed. Jesus can heal any disease at any time He pleases because He has all authority. The coronavirus is under the authority of Jesus. The Delta variant and the Omicron variant and every other variant known and unknown to man is under the authority of King Jesus. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He has all authority over cancer and heart disease and diabetes and every known and unknown sickness and virus in existence. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Third, Jesus has all authority over all of history. He has all authority over all of history. Nothing happens that is not ordered and ordained by Jesus. He sets up kings and removes kings. He directs the affairs of history and everything is being orchestrated to climax with His return. We saw this earlier in the year in the book of Revelation, chapter 5, where we saw that Jesus is the only one worthy to open the scroll of history and enact God's plan for salvation and judgment. Only Jesus has this authority. Number four, Jesus has all authority over Satan. Jesus has all authority over Satan. The devil does not have ultimate authority. Jesus does. We see this throughout the Gospels where Jesus cast out demons and when He commands, the demons obey Him. Ultimately, we know Jesus will throw Satan into the lake of fire where He will be forever and ever. Fifth, Jesus has all authority over death. Jesus has all authority over death. When He says this right here in Matthew 28-18, He's saying it as the risen Son of God. Jesus has just been crucified, put in a borrowed tomb, and now He is standing before the disciples alive. Romans 6, Paul says, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. 1 Corinthians 15 says, death has been swallowed up in Jesus' victory. Death has been killed by the Lord of life. And so we don't fear death. Because Jesus has authority over it. Six, Jesus has all authority over sin. Jesus has all authority over sin. Yes, even the sinful acts of people are under the authority of King Jesus. Or as John Piper said it, human beings cannot escape the sovereign sway of God by darting down the alley of sin. You can't escape Jesus' authority by sinning. Matthew, in fact, shows us that all the sinful acts of all the people who crucified Jesus were ordained and orchestrated by Jesus for His purposes. And He laid down His life on the cross to bear the punishment that our sins deserve. He has the authority to forgive sins because He is God and He is the perfect sacrifice for sin. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, which means He has all authority over sin. And finally, number seven, Jesus has all authority over salvation and missions. Jesus has all authority over salvation and missions. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He will build, not might build or could build. He will build it will build His church. His mission to save His people from all tribes and tongues and languages will never be thwarted. Listen, if Jesus wasn't authoritative over salvation, who of us would be saved? 
Who of us could cause ourselves to be born again? Answer, none of us. We are saved. Anyone is saved because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. And so before Jesus gives us the mission of our lives, the mission that He calls us to order our lives around, He gives us the power to accomplish the mission. His majestic and comprehensive authority over all things compels us to go and be involved in His unstoppable mission. Think of the implications of this powerful declaration. Jesus' comprehensive authority propels us to give our lives to the mission that He gives us in verse 19. King Jesus is worth giving everything to do what He says to get involved in His glorious purpose. Friends, Jesus' authority is what gives us the confidence in this mission as well. We know that this task will be completed because Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth. We will succeed because Jesus is in control. We will succeed. Jesus will build His church and He will see to it that the gospel is preached in all the world as a testimony to all nations. This task cannot fail because Jesus has all authority. This declaration gives us the incentive and the right and the motivation and the power to take the gospel to all nations in this world. John Stott wrote this way. He said, only because all authority on earth belongs to Christ, dare we go to the nations. And only because all authority in heaven is His, have we any hope of success. Jesus is Lord of all. And that makes this mission unstoppable. Friends, your life, everything about you, is under the majestic authority of King Jesus. This is who you are. Jesus is the Lord. He is the boss of your life. Listen, we have to get this right. No one makes Jesus Lord of their life. Right? I know we use that language sometimes, but we need to be very careful with it because you don't decide and I don't decide to make Jesus Lord of our life. He is the Lord regardless of what you think of Him. He is the Lord, and the question is, do you recognize Him as Lord and do you submit to Him as your Lord? That's the question. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, the second identity marker in this passage is your mission is to make disciples for Jesus. Your life's under His majestic authority and your mission is to make disciples for Jesus. Now, before we meditate on what Jesus commands in verse 19, let's just take a moment to realize that none of us naturally want to obey Jesus. There's no one in here that was that was born and you just naturally from your first moments, all you wanted to do was obey Jesus. We already have our lives planned out for ourselves, don't we? We already think we know what it is that we're supposed to be doing. So it's a fight to hear and obey Jesus this morning. We would all rather just do whatever we think will make us safe, what will make us comfortable, what will make us happy. To be honest, our natural inclination is to just go to work, stay out of trouble, sit on the couch and watch TV, 
and judge everybody else on social media. We don't want to be bothered. And we really don't want to do anything that's hard, do we? And I think that's why Jesus begins this great commission with His absolute claim of authority on our lives. He knows we don't naturally submit to the authority of another. He knows we don't wake up in the morning with this natural inclination. Just, what do you want me to do today, God? No, our natural inclination is what will make me safe, what will make me comfortable, what will make me happy. And so here's the test as to whether we actually submit to Jesus as Lord of our lives. Do we obey the mission that Jesus has given to us? If you aren't engaged in His mission you aren't submitting to Him as Lord. You can't say, yes, Lord, I'll do whatever you want and then not do what He says for us to do. So look at the mission that He gives us. What is the mission that is supposed to control our lives? Jesus commands us to make disciples of all nations. The main verb, the imperative in the Great Commission is make disciples. The other words here that seem like verbs, verses 19 and 20, like going and baptizing and teaching, those are actually participles that modify the main action of making disciples. Going, baptizing, teaching are how we make disciples of all nations. And so here is the ultimate mission and vision and purpose for every single follower of Jesus. Jesus says we are to make disciples of all nations. This is what King Jesus wants us to do. Every disciple is called to be a disciple maker. Every faithful church is called to the business of discipling the nations. So our task is not merely to make converts. Our task is a holistic one. We are to make fully functioning followers of Jesus out of people from all the nations on the earth. Christianity is a missionary faith. The gospel of Jesus is to be spread and spread and spread until every nation on the globe has disciples making disciples. At the beginning of the gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls his first disciples to himself. And from the moment he called them to himself, he gave them their mission. He said, I will make you fishers of men. Every follower of Jesus is a fisher of men. And then here at the end of his ministry, Jesus is reminding his disciples of that mission he's already given them. Every disciple is a disciple maker. Disciples make disciples. And so if this is our mission, are we doing this? Are you making disciples for Jesus? It's incredibly sad to me that so many people attend church for decades, 20, 30, 50 years. They hear countless sermons and Sunday school lessons, countless Bible studies, and yet they cannot point to anyone in their lives whom they have discipled in the Lord. Jesus did not call us to be pew sitters. He commissioned us to be disciple makers. This isn't the mission for only church leaders. You don't have to have a degree in Bible to do this. This is what all followers of Jesus, young and old, rich and poor, from every nation, this is what every follower of Jesus should be doing. 
If you know Jesus, you can help others know and follow him as well. No special training required. Training is great, helps us, but no special training required. Go to people, teach them about Jesus, connect them to a church family where they can be baptized, and teach them to obey all of Jesus' commands, which implies that making disciples is something that will never be done until Jesus returns. This is your identity. This is your mission. Make disciples of all nations. And then notice the third part of our identity in this passage. Your comfort is the nearness of Jesus. Your comfort is the nearness of Jesus. So notice the comforting promise of Jesus found in verse 20. Jesus promises his unceasing presence to be with us. He says, and behold, which I think means listen up. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is absolutely spectacular to me. Immediately after giving us this mission, Jesus promises that his very own presence will be with us wherever we go and whatever we do as we complete this mission. Jesus promises to take care of us and to be near to us. Friends, do you hear the heart of Jesus in verse 20? I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm with you always. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never cast you out. I'll always give you my presence and my glory and my power. So in your mind, put this promise in verse 20 next to the declaration of authority in verse 18. So Jesus says, I have all authority in heaven and on earth, and I will be with you forever. Jesus has all authority, and he will be with us forever. This is not a staggering promise for those who are engaged in the mission of making disciples of all nations. He has all authority, and he's always with us. <laughs> Friends, this means the mission is not about us or what we can do. It's not about our strength. It's not about our resources. The success of this mission is based on who Jesus is and what he's able to do through us. Friends, Jesus does not leave his disciples to their own resources. Jesus does not abandon his followers. He is with us to the very end. Here's the greatest Christmas present imaginable. The presence of Jesus Christ. Matthew started this gospel by declaring that Jesus is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And he ends this gospel with the declaration of the nearness of Jesus forever. Jesus is still Emmanuel. He's still God with us through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And if God is with us, that means he's also for us. What a Savior. He will never leave or forsake his own. He will never abandon us to ourselves or to our own devices. Friends, be comforted today by the nearness of the presence of your Savior. His heart is for you, not against you, if you are in him. Now, before we partake of the Lord's Supper, let me point out and reiterate the application of this passage. This is who you are. This is who you are. This is what Jesus has said about you as his disciple. And so how should we respond? What should be 
the application to our lives. Well, three points that correspond to the three main points. Number one, submit to and delight in the authority of Jesus. Submit to and delight in the authority of King Jesus. Since Jesus is the Lord of your life. Do you recognize him as Lord? Do you submit to his will and his ways as your Lord? If not, surrender to him now. Surrender to him right now. Call him Lord. Give him the reins, the wheel of your life. Submit to and delight in the authority of Jesus. Secondly, obey the unstoppable mission of Jesus. Obey the unstoppable mission of Jesus. King Jesus gives us the mission. Every disciple is to be a disciple maker. Listen, that certainly, parents, speaks to how we disciple our kids. That certainly speaks to how we make Jesus known in our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces. But it also speaks about how we view the entire world. Notice Jesus doesn't just say, make disciples. Does he? He didn't say, make disciples. He says, make disciples of all nations. Now, by all nations, he means all people groups. A people group is kind of like a a tribe or a clan. It's much smaller than a country like we normally think of nations. It's a group of people who have a distinct language, culture, worldview, and set of values. Jesus says, make disciples among all the people groups on the face of this earth. The International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention says that there's almost 12,000 people groups among the 7.9 billion people on the earth today. Just let that number sink in for a second. 12,000 distinct people groups, nations. And Jesus commands us to make disciples of all nations. And what is incredibly shocking is that of those 12,000 people groups, about 6,500 of them are labeled as unreached with the gospel. A people group is considered unreached when less than 2% of the population are evangelical Christians. That means over half the people groups on the planet today have very little to no access to the gospel of Jesus at all. There are billions of people who are born, live their lives, and die having never even heard the name Jesus, much less heard about who he is and what he has done. Just think about that. There are billions of people who are alive right now who even if they wanted to have no opportunity to know that they can have a relationship with the God who created them through Jesus Christ. Church, this is unacceptable. We should never be okay with these facts. If we ourselves enjoy the gifts of God's grace through Jesus, we should never be fine with billions of people who have absolutely no access to this message. Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. He means take the gospel to all these people groups and plant churches among them so that the gospel can spread and take root in their culture. There's not a culture, there's not an ethnic group, there's not a society or language where Jesus does not have the right to be worshiped as Lord of all. He has the authority to be the King and the Lord and Savior to everyone and to everywhere. And He calls His people, you and I, to make disciples among all nations. And of course, this means that some Jesus followers 
need to be missionaries and leave home and take the gospel to these nations. But it also means every follower of Jesus should be engaged in this mission. Friends, we can pray for and we can support this mission right here in Central Texas. So let me encourage you. Give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for international missions this year. 100% of what's given to Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes to directly support this task. You can find one of those offering envelopes on the welcome table or you can write Lottie Moon on the bottom of your check and we will send that entire amount to international missions. I encourage you, every single follower of Jesus, give something. Give something. Give up something that is a pleasure, a comfort to you to see to it that the gospel goes to every nation. But also let me encourage you to utilize the prayer guide this week. This prayer guide is, is very well done. Uh, these are also on the welcome table. There's something to pray for every day this week, starting today. And you can pray for specific missionaries in specific countries in specific ways that the, the gospel needs to break through to some people. Be engaged in the unstoppable mission of Jesus. This is your identity. This is who you are. Get involved in it. And then third and finally, cling to the comforting presence of Jesus. Cling to the comforting presence of Jesus. You're not alone. You're not alone. Jesus has promised to be with us always. And He is with us right now as we partake of the Lord's Supper together. So let's continue to turn our eyes upon Jesus by remembering His perfect sacrifice for our sins. This bread that we're going to partake in just a moment reminds us of the body of Jesus that was broken for us. This cup that we're going to partake reminds us of the precious blood of Jesus that is poured out for our forgiveness. The one with all authority was slain for our redemption. The one who is Lord of all, who's been given all authority in heaven and earth, this is the one who was slain in our place for our sins. And so we partake today together with faith, remembering the core of our faith, remembering what it is we believe about Jesus and about what He's done. And so that means if you don't have faith today, if Jesus is not your Lord, you should not partake of these elements if Jesus is not your boss, if you've not submitted to Him as your Master, this is not for you. We pray that this will be a visual picture to you of your sin and your need for a Savior. And so I hope during this time you'll, you'll cry out to God. Ask Him to save you. Ask Him to cleanse you from your sin. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, but do not partake of these elements if you're not following Jesus. And let me just say, you don't have to be a member of this church to partake with us. We welcome those of you who are following Jesus and are members of other like-minded churches or those of you who are in the process of finding a church family to commit to. But listen, if you aren't willing to commit yourself to God's people and be accountable to others, if you aren't willing to declare your faith publicly through believers' baptism, and we think that should come before you partake of the Lord's Supper. Submitting to Jesus as Lord means obeying Him and being held accountable by your brothers and sisters in a local church. And so let's take just a moment of silence for the purpose of examining ourselves, for the purpose of fixing our eyes on Jesus. Examine yourself. Consider, are you submitting 
to the Lord Jesus in every area of your life? If not, take this time to submit yourself wholeheartedly to Him. And then after just this moment of silence, we'll pray together and we'll proclaim our faith together as we partake of the Lord's Supper. Lord Jesus, we declare you to be the one with all authority in all of creation. You are the Lord of all. Yes, you're the Lord of our lives, but you're the Lord of all. So we submit to your majestic authority. Lord, we want to be engaged in your mission. We want to do what you have commanded us to do. So we thank you that you've promised your comforting presence to us. We thank you that your nearness is our good, that your presence and your power and your glory are ever and always with us. Lord, thank you for your word. May it break the hardness of our hearts and may it propel us to do great things as we trust you, as we cling to your promises. As we partake of these elements now, Lord, would you be proclaimed? Would you be declared as Lord of our lives? As this bread touches our lips, as this cup touches our lips, Lord, may we proclaim, may we declare you alone our Lord. We thank you for your death for our sins. We want to turn our eyes upon you now. Help us to remember your sacrifice. Help us to declare it with faith. And Lord, I pray for those in this room who are not submitting to you as Lord, who are seeking to live for their own agenda, for their own praise, for their own comfort and safety. Lord, I pray that you would help them to cry out to you even in this moment. We thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. Amen. If you're going to partake with us, go ahead and find those prepackaged elements in the rack in front of you. You can go ahead and remove the top thin layer that reveals the bread. This little wafer, I know it tastes like styrofoam, but this is supposed to represent something. This is supposed to proclaim something to us. It's a reminder that Jesus' body was broken. It's a reminder that Jesus was crushed for our iniquities, that the chastisement that brought us peace was upon Him. So as we partake of this little wafer, it's a reminder to turn our eyes on Jesus, to set our eyes on things above, to to make Him, to declare Him, to submit to Him as, as the Lord of our lives. The Apostle Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when He was betrayed, took bread, and when He'd given thanks, he, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
Lord Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken for us. We thank you that our sin was laid upon you. That the punishment that we deserve was, was absorbed by you. And that you are the perfect propitiation for our sins. We thank you for your sacrifice. We pray in your name. Amen. Next, you can remove the foil layer that reveals the cup. This cup proclaims something to us. This, this cup proclaims to us that Jesus shed his own blood for our sins. What, what can wash away our sins? Nothing. Absolutely nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's no good works that you can do or have done that can cleanse you from your sin. It is only the blood of Jesus that can make us whole again, that can make us white as snow. So as we partake of this cup, we set our eyes on Jesus, the one who was slain, who was pierced for our transgressions. The Apostle Paul said in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, we submit to you. You are Lord. We thank you that you, our Lord, took upon yourself flesh, humbled yourself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Thank you that you died our death. We thank you that you rose from the dead to prove everything you said about yourself was true, that you are the one with all authority in heaven and on earth. We submit to you, we declare you, we proclaim you, and we look forward to that day when you will return for your own. Lord, let us be engaged in your mission into that day. Help us, purify us as we look forward to your return. We thank you and we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing Glorious Day together.